Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you're carrying a baby, you're intimately involved in its growth and development. It can be challenging for the non-birth partner to connect with what's happening. That feeling of disconnection, of not knowing how to be involved, can continue through to labour and the early days and weeks of a baby's birth. Hannah Darlin is a professor at the School of Nursing and Midwifery at Western Sydney University. She's got a few ideas on how partners can feel more involved with the birth of their child. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hi. Are there ways that the non-birth partner can feel connected to the pregnancy? Because that's where I feel um, couples... Uh, have that big disconnect because it's so physical for one partner and the other not at all. Yes, and, you know, the early months before things start to show physically that there's a baby there are really hard for partners to connect with because there's just there's no evidence. But there may be plenty of evidence that your partner is um, vomiting in the toilet bowl, <laughs> suddenly falling asleep in, in her, her dinner or very emotional. Um, so there may be those sorts of evidence, but there's no kind of visible presence of the fact that a baby's coming. And it's actually very hard right until that baby comes out to, to grasp it because the partner doesn't get to feel the movements and, and have all of the other signs. But in my experience as a midwife, the partners who connect best are the ones who are in involved in continuity of care programs where the partner and the, the – so, so both – both couples, whoever, whether they're male, whether they're female in that um, relationship, get to know their provider. So I know, you know, with continuity midwifery care, where you get longer time with the midwife, where you see the same person, you develop a relationship. The connection means that um, midwives are much more likely to engage with the partner and therefore the partner feels like, actually, I, I need to to get engaged with this. so And also I imagine yeah. if they're doing that in the lead up to birth, once labour actually starts, the midwife also knows um, what the other partner's fears might be or have helped them overcome some of those questions before you actually get to the birthing suite. And that's absolutely the key part of it. So, you know, if they say, look, I'm really bad around blood, um, you you are mindful of that and you have strategies. If, if they say, you know, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to cope when, when she makes noises doing labor, you've got strategies around that. You're looking out for them. So, so that is key. There is nothing, I think, more distressing for a midwife to watch, but particularly for a woman to watch than her partner sitting on the lounge texting or, <laughs> or watching the footy scores. That's not a good look. Come on, do you walk behind them then and just cuff them on the back of the head? Well, you probably don't <laughs> cuff them on the back of the head, but you might say, look, I've got some lovely oil here. I'm, I'll show you how to do a lovely massage. And you you have to kind of guide them into it. Sometimes that's simply fear. Like they're, they're doing that because they're like, just get me out of here. I don't know what to do. But the other thing besides relationship-based care that I notice makes a huge difference in how partners interact is some of these birth courses that are not just standard ones taught in hospital, though some of them do teach these skills, where things like acupressure and massage and birth positions and also where we talk about how important it is for you to be the silverback in the room. 
that your job is to be the silverback. Your job is to make sure people aren't talking loudly. Your job is to protect her privacy. Your job is to make sure those lights get turned down and that you are conscious of protecting her space. And what we find is in those courses, when when partners do those courses, they're so much not only more engaged, they feel more useful because they have tools that they can actually do something with. And men, men are, if we if we talk about them, the partner is a male, they tend to really like to, to do practical. things. Yeah. yeah. So we need to kind of give them, we need to give them physical tasks that they feel they have skills in. Mm. And some of these courses really do help with that. And then we've noticed, so we did a big trial a couple of years ago with a different type of parent education course that was a lot around learning skills. And we noticed, and the partners all said, they were so much more engaged. They felt they could do something. They didn't feel as helpless. And the other important thing is, being helpless in a situation you don't understand is a major trigger for trauma. So we now know that we have got more partners coming out with PTSD following birth because observing the person you love, having things done to them that you can do nothing about is probably one of the worst things to trigger off PTSD. So it's not just about, isn't it lovely when partners get involved? It's actually about protecting their mental health. It's about consolidating that relationship. And we know absolutely from the trial we did that when we have the partner on board, birth goes better. Yeah, and and one of the tricky things I imagine would be that um, particularly when it's your first baby, you actually don't know what you're going to want from your partner. I've spoken to so many women who are like, I didn't want him to touch me or um, I you know, couldn't bear this or that, the other. And, and I myself remember the first time being surprised at how much I wanted my husband physically, how much I had to, touching him and holding him made me feel better and safe. So um, it must be challenging as well. I mean, to know when you don't know how they're going to react, to know what you're meant to do. Um, is part of preparation in that sense about working out how to have a conversation in that space so that he doesn't or she, whoever the other partner is, doesn't get offended if the birthing mother says, stay away from me. Absolutely. That, that is critical. So I will often say to partners, look, if she tells you to, to bugger off and that she doesn't want you touching her, that is really normal. And sometimes what women really want is the hands of a experienced midwife who knows what to touch and when to, because we've done it so many times before, a woman's hands are often different. With men, when they get anxious, they tend to kind of pat harder and harder. <laughs> I remember my husband doing that at one point. He was patting my head. And I was like, I, I turned around and said, I'm not a dog. <laughs> Whereas a midwife may be more likely to get a cool cloth and gently wipe your face with the cloth. So it is not uncommon where women say, just stop touching me. I've even had a woman say to her partner, you need to get out of here because I can't stand the smell of you. Now, (laughs) when you're in labor, all of your smell, everything is heightened. Mm. And that's so that you and your baby, when it comes out, kind of intoxicatingly fall in love. So yes, you need to prepare men for the fact that they're, you know, Women and women and drunken sailors, women in labour and drunken sailors, language used, orders <laughs> given, lack of inhibition is all part of the package and we need to respect that. I know that lots of people will tell a, a pregnant woman that there's no way to really explain what labour's like and given we forget so soon afterwards what it's like, that makes sense. Um, but as you mentioned being the witness to your partner going through labour um, 
can be quite traumatic, very hard to explain, but still traumatic. I mean, how can you prepare a partner for that experience? Because women tend yeah. to go in, like when it's you, you're dealing with what's happening. Yeah. Um, the person outside is the same problem. They're not physically feeling things. So their imagination's just probably gone wild. So I do a lot of this is really normal to them. And I'll say this is really normal. The other thing that partners can find very confusing, yes, there is the distress. And so watching birth videos, things like that helps to prepare them for what is normal response. But the other thing that I find that partners can get really confused about is that actually a woman in physiological labor where she's just in it and she's uninhibited and she's doing her own thing can, if you actually don't have the visual in front of you, can sound very much like people having sex. So it can sound like she's having a jolly good time. And I have seen partners like look at their wives like, whoa, what's going on here? Because if in fact it could sound like you're having a fantastic orgasm. So it's really I definitely didn't say that. My 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 sound reference is a cow. That's what I sounded like. But it's important to say to them, you know, the sounds will be really probably sounds you may have heard before in the comfort of your bedroom, but also maybe have sounds that you've heard from a distressed animal previously, but they're not necessarily distressed. It is a it is an uninhibited woman who will make extraordinary sounds. But you prepare them and videos are a really good way to do it because then it's more familiar. And the other thing is women don't just sound, they move in extraordinary ways. They look like they're dancing sometimes. They look like they're lunging, they throw their heads back. That if if partners see this, then it's less strange to them. Mm. And giving partners the opportunity and the permission And this is where you have the conversation with both of them to leave the room if it is getting too distressed. Because to force a partner to be there when their distress is mounting, not only is not going to be a good support for their partner, but it is also going to potentially lead to trauma that could impact on the relationship and and years after. Because you do, I have heard people talk about birth trauma um, and when partners say, I don't want to have another baby because of what happened last time. And I didn't really understand that until you explained that there. I mean, I kind of got, yes, Mm. of course, you don't want your partner to go through a a traumatic experience again. But the impact of seeing that is Mm. deep for the partner as well as for the woman who's experienced it. Definitely. And I've seen a man walk out and never come back because that was it. He could not see his wife in the same way again. Now, it's really important to point out to women that the majority of men and partners will come out of that experience thinking you are a goddess. That's true. And so That's they why should. you don't name the baby until exactly. after because if you're disagreeing <laughs> about the name. You always get. And I must say, after. in my experience, when these discussions happen up until birth, the woman <laughs> wins every time. So just give up after you've watched your partner give birth. So, you know, it, it, it most men are just struck by the incredible thing that a woman does. But some men are very traumatised and we do need to pay attention to that. And look after them as well. Okay, so they've been um, through labour, they've been involved. Um, How can partners also be involved after the birth of the baby? I remember my husband saying to me that he didn't feel, I mean, he loved both our kids, but he didn't feel connected or engaged until they're about six months when they could do something. (laughs) It's like before that they weren't doing anything. And I was like, 
just looking at them all day, every day is enough. But there's a, again, we've got different hormones that are working. And so how can men feel that connection when they're not having the flow of oxytocin and all of that chemical mixture that's going on in our bodies? And this is very typical of the first birth because the partner hasn't got anything else, hopefully, that he's doing at that point. But he's actually so vital in the whole thing because he's going to make the cups of tea. He's going to make sure that the, the, the kitchen's sorted and dinner's sorted and that the washing's taken care of. So partners need to step very much into that role of making sure that that mum can just be with that baby and and give all. And because the mum is breastfeeding and the baby is next to her and dependent on her, there is a lot more contact between the mum and the baby. But but I'll often do do things like I'll get the partner to do the first bath. And that's a way of kind of getting them in and showing them how competent they are. They'll often, I also say to partners, and you've got to be careful how you put this because you don't want women to feel a failure either. But when you've fed the baby and you know the baby's not hungry and they are still making noise, which babies tend to be really, really good at, that give the baby to your partner because you, your partner doesn't smell like the milk bar. Whereas you smell like food, food, food. And so the baby can get those confusing signals. So partners will often then take the baby off and start to, to do what, what they do and jiggle and talk. And then the baby settles down. And that's really nice for them because look what I've done. So it's important that we identify things that is really critical for the partner, but also that in antenatal period, we're saying to the partner, you know, your job is to peel the grapes. Your job is to make sure that cup of tea is hot and plentiful and coming in on time. And what you're, when you do that, you actually are looking after your baby indirectly in the best possible way. That's lovely. There's so many good tips there. Hannah, thank you so much for speaking with us My today. Pleasure. That's Hannah Darlin. She's a professor at the School of Nursing and Midwifery at Western Sydney University. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.